0: Alright, Cirillo is out. This is Auto Collabs.
1: Jordan Cox tag team. You are in.
0: Let's do it.
1: What's this so perfect time. about him tag teaming right now is the main place where you see tag teaming happen. Oh, here we go. Is in a <laughs> is in a ring. You know? <laughs> what? Like, like WWE, WWF.
0: Oh, my gosh. And, they, they and if have you
1: know anything about ornate pants
0: sport, is definitely a requisite.
1: They love ornate pants. And you, you won't know this, and the poor video people won't even know this, but right now, Jordan Cox is wearing ornate gold Stand pants. Stand up,
0: Jordan. We don't have time for this. <laughs>
1: So the tag team is just like the perfect reference for this but, one. But what if I stood up and was like naked right now? Is that, you won't,
0: is that you won't do that. that would, <laughs> this is that a family show, Jordan. Hey, oh, sorry. Hey. If you're just listening, he's got shiny, shimmery gold pants on. And we'll tell you the story. I oh, was doing high kicks now. Not like Nathan, Nathaniel Greklik. But um, it doesn't have anything to do with today's guest. Actually, Jordan and I were, met Jamie Butters, today's guest, uh, editor of Automotive News, for the first time at a David Kane event. And uh, I think we both were kind of... Blown away by just his his kind of sure. level we were... of insights and his kind of chill vibes. He's kind of got Bill Pullman vibes, if you ask me. Yeah, especially like the suit jacket he was wearing that oh, day. Oh, so classy! So classy. like that the uh, classy jacket with the patches. Like, oh man, that was it. It was it was, oh, it was, was on point. It Just fit personally perfect. It, it's funny auto. too to have a guest that we all read on a regular basis. His work is like in, on our computers, auto news, day in and day out, and uh, so we we thought we would. Definitely want to get him on the podcast and ask him, you know, maybe some of the questions that they don't ask him in the regular shows, because that's how yeah, we we're all... going
1: to we're going to ask him the tough questions and see if he can handle <laughs> it. They would probably won't be that tough. No, we're just not that he's mean. a class. Act. Uh, yeah, he's a class. Act. Well, we for hope sure you is. enjoy this conversation with Jamie. Butters.
0: Hey, Jamie, it's good to be with you again. Thank you so much for joining us here on Auto Collabs.
2: You bet, Paul. Glad to do it.
0: All right. So a lot of people probably recognize your name because everyone reads automotive news and, uh, you know, you're kind of running the show over there, the, there's a texture to your story though, that I, I heard a little bit of when we, we met for the first time at the David Cain event. And I, we love to talk about how people like, how did you get here, um, into automotive to begin with, uh, give us the background. The people need to know who you are.
2: Oh my gosh. Uh, do you want the, the, the two day version? Uh, well, you we like, can give
0: us a two-day <laughs> version a soda con right? over cocktails.
2: Yeah. i <laughs> am um, try to keep it a little focused. You know, I started, my, my dad was a journalist, and I always loved hanging out in newsrooms, but I kind of thought I wanted to do something different. Uh, I was really interested in business and economics, uh, but then I got to college and it's sort of like, oh, I want to study journalism. I feel like it's something I want to do with my life that I, I, I would feel good about. Uh, but, I, man, I, I did not enjoy journalism school. <laughs> I loved doing it. I worked at the radio station and the newspaper um and kind of really struggled in my classes. What is uh, just journalism
0: like, school like? What 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 assignments do they give you in journalism
2: school? You know, it's like you go out and you write stories, you come up with ideas and you interview people and you write stories, but they go nowhere. I mean, maybe if you turn it in, maybe the teacher likes it, they'll show it to the rest of the class. You know, I would go write something for the student newspaper and it'd go to, you know, twenty or thirty thousand educated people the next morning. You get your feedback yeah serious I feedback extent, from the audience you know and it was uh, <laughs> even in those print days when we didn't have the all the interactivity uh it was a very direct feedback loop you know from our college community at, in iowa city iowa university of iowa um so i did that for a while uh stopped going to school for a little while tending bar and thinking i wanted to get a a real job but not quite getting around to it my parents said hey smart guy there's a job you know cedar rapids gazette has an opening and so i ended up getting hired there Um, kind of started back to school then because i couldn't get the writing job that i would want until i had a degree i could get a job because of my talent my hard work but i couldn't get the jobs i wanted so i started back to school Um, luckily I, i met a woman at the cedar rapids gazette she got a job in lexington kentucky After some negotiating, I followed her down there. Ended up getting my degree in uh, finance from UK. Oh, it's all it's all good. We worked out. We got married. Three adult, lovely daughters. uh, Everything's cool. Um, Yeah, I was was just like, I don't want to move to Kentucky unless we're going to get married and have kids and everything's going to work out.
1: Right. Amen. Sounds (laughs) like a great place to start. I feel that way. Kentucky's like the armpit of Ohio is the way that I see it. There's really lovely
2: things about it, but I was wary (laughs) as a Midwesterner of moving to uh, the South. Um, But it was a lovely place and a a great experience uh, for both of us. Um, And so then I got my degree in finance and the business desk at the Herald-Leader had just lost like three of their five reporters, a bunch of really good people going off to Nashville and Chicago and places like that. And so I kind of stepped in. Uh, and started covering everything until we filled in the rest of the team. And part of that ended up being, uh, you know, going to cover the job one at, of the Sienna at that Toyota Georgetown plant in central Kentucky. Hmm. And that's, that was my first auto story. And I uh, did that, uh, you know, I started writing a little about Toyota. I ended up getting to go to the Tokyo motor show in 1997. That was my first ever auto show. Oh, uh, that's, when the that's a is, heck of a one right, to start on, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and my editor was so cool and smart. You know, she had been a, a business writer, uh, in earlier in her career. And so she said, you know, she had a little money in the budget and could send me, she said, don't try to cover the show. You don't know what you're doing. We don't know how to edit it. The time zones are all against us. We'll just run AP like we usually do, but go, you know fill up your notebook learn all you can come back and we'll figure out what the story is and i got to come back and write about this new kind of car called a fuel cell and ha- wow. i'm sorry new kind of car called a called a hybrid unreal Said was this stepping stone toward evs and ultimately something called a hydrogen fuel cell so i got to learn all about that and try to explain that um i also the other two stories were about yeah, like the- let me try my hand at this super simple thing
0: <laughs> 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 right, right evs back then was like jetsons mode right
2: oh yeah yeah it was it was well What was so cool that first gen prius and you still see it in some but they had the little graphics the video you know the they were just very simple graphics but it was yeah, on the, the little energy's screen.
0: going from the wheels to the engine from the yeah. engine to the battery
2: yeah. from the who's power and what here? And you, you know, and it was really let you understand what could be a really complicated process.
0: That's okay. So when did you decide okay, you I, liked auto? Uh,
2: what did I say?
0: Like, are you a car guy at
2: all? It came later. I I like cars. I don't consider myself a car guy. <laughs> You're a uh, <in> good company. <laughs> <but> <laughs> I do like cars, um, but I'm like, I don't know if I, um, when I buy cars, I really want, the value. I'm like a lot of regular American consumers. I want a reliable car uh, that's going to get me where I need to go, do what I need it to do, cause me as little headache as possible. Um, but I was there. I covered autos about 20% of the time in Lexington. And then the Detroit Free Press called me up. They had had a strike and a turnover of their team and the strike was settled. And I was like, all right, I can come to Detroit. And um, well, I thought like that was the pinnacle of journalists, business journalism, right? Covering autos right. for the Detroit Free Press. Yeah. Uh, that seemed, that was a pretty big deal for me. And it was still, uh, you know, really hard to get by. Um, even though, you know, the auto writers tend to get paid better than a lot of other reporters. You know, <laughs> it's kind
0: of like every other position in auto. The is automotive that, GMs get that. paid more. That's no. really interesting. Why is that though?
2: Oh, because it's so competitive. It's so competitive oh, yeah. and uh hours... Um, not yeah. that other reporters don't work hard, but our hours are so routinely grueling. Um, oh, my gosh.
0: It's so funny how automotive industry. journalism really does reflect the industry. That <laughs> yeah. my yeah. You can literally go and say all those things about all the other positions in a dealership and whether it's marketing, management. This is all right. We're, we're already right. on a good yeah. collaboration. Going so,
2: absolutely. So,
0: okay. So you're a Detroit Free Press Right. You're working the long hours. You're doing the work. And it's still there's something there that is like "Mm, so more.
2: Yeah. And I was uh, I was probably getting a lot closer to burning out than I was aware that I was. Uh, And then I was fortunate enough to two things. First, I got to go to China and work on a project about General Motors and its strategy in Asia. Um, and that was uh, super experience. Great to get to, you know, write something that long, get to go to a place I'd only ever read about before. Um, Really fascinating stuff. And then that work really helped get me into the Knight Wallace Fellowship at the University of Michigan. So I got to take like a school year off uh, from the daily grind. And uh, I woke up one day in like November and it's like, oh, this is what it feels like to hey. be caught up on your sleep. <laughs> it took about three months.
0: How many kids uh, did you have at that? Point? Tell me about that. Yeah. No. I,
2: yeah. I had, I had I guess, five, three and one year old. Um,
0: so it sounds about I, right.
2: I was catching up on some sleep. My wife unfortunately was not, um, <laughs>
1: right.
2: Yeah. So, uh, came back to the free press. I then became auto editor and, uh, kind of ran that coverage for a while through another round of UAW talks. Um, then I went to Bloomberg News and spent about ten years there, here in Detroit, um, running mostly running the auto team and other transportation coverage. Of course, I started there right before you know GM and Chrysler's bankruptcies, and it was a uh, really
1: but that was a nuts time,
2: in, yeah. incredibly turbulent wow. and uh, working around the clock and uh, really intense, but very great learning experience uh, being there. And then. Almost five years ago, uh, I came to Automotive News. And it was sort of, it's this different, you know, we're all, I covered, I've, so I've covered autos for now for 25 years. I've covered autos exclusively since basically the day after the Bush versus Gore election. And, um, wow. but at the free press, you know, you're writing mostly, mostly for employees. Um, and also for consumers and the general public politicians and stuff, but, but employees,
0: employees of the manufacturers,
2: employees, yeah. Employees of the manufacturers. Yep. There are big readers and employees of suppliers, um, you know, UAW members, salary folks, that's our, that's our core audience at Bloomberg. Of course it's the financial markets. It's the bond market to a lesser extent, the stock market, again, policy people, um, and then here at Automotive News, like we have a, a huge footprint, of course, with dealers. Um, they're you know a, a big chunk. They're not even half of our readers, but they're a much bigger chunk than they are for anyone else, any of mm-hmm. the other you know, big players. Uh, so it's been a great opportunity for me to learn a lot more about dealers, get to meet a lot more of them than I really got to in the other jobs.
1: Gee whiz. I wanna go back to, because it's fascinating to me that you we, we were in a Toyota dealership the other day and um, not to like th- th- give away all of the, you know, there's not a of the Toyota dealer meeting, but um, you said, hey, I was kind of the first on the scene. I was there writing about this new technology that was going to be the hybrid technology and being in the Toyota Prius and, and Toyota having been in the game for a significant amount of time and still being a massive leader in the hybrid game and and i'm sure your perspective on the industry because you're seeing everything that's going on with evs and with the with um you know the new entrance to the market and that's the massive push with toyota still staying in this like very heavy hybrid game the majority of their their vehicles how how is that going from like i covered this first thing (laughs) now everything's about evs and toyota's over here like remember the one time when we were doing the thing. Back in '97, and we're still doing it. Yeah. Like, what is that? What does that feel like to kind of cover those things in that in that world of you constantly being in that?
2: Yeah. It's. I mean, it's it's been a fascinating journey, and you know, of course, you only can uh, benefit from all that perspective by you know putting having spending all that dang time. You know. Yeah. Yeah, Sure. um, But it's been really fascinating. You know, Toyota is definitely in the crosshairs of a lot of environmentalists now because they've stuck with the hybrid strategy. And I think, you know, they've just been trapped by a lot of, um, you know, traditional thinking. You could call it logic if you want. I mean, EVs are money- <laughs> He goes right?
0: traditional thinking, you know, thinking logically. Right. <laughs> that, was great. that was great. But,
2: you know, it's you because the tech world sometimes is a is a different kind of logic, yeah. right? We're gonna lose money on everything until we suddenly become huge and awesome and then it'll all turn great. And that worked for Elon and it worked for Bezos, you know, but there's a lot of cats it doesn't work for, especially if you You're also more. manufacture things, right? So, you know, if if, if EVs are gonna lose five thousand dollars each during a you know ramp up period of five years, ten years. You look at like Tesla's own uh, curve from deep losses to significant profits. You know, if you're Toyota right. and you make 10 million a year, I mean, you can't even lose a thousand a piece, or you're that's a hundred million dollars, hundred, you know, a hundred billion dollars <laughs> you're going to lose every year. I'm sorry, 10 million times a thousand be 10 billion. 10 billion dollars a year in losses would be devastating for Toyota. They, they, that's not the way they roll. Right. I think Toyota and Honda and the other Japanese really had a light bulb moment this spring when they went to the china show and saw all the evs that were coming out of china i think they've seen in the west you know the what in europe mostly but also in the us a lot of excitement and enthusiasm around evs to where they're now saying okay maybe it is a losing business proposition for the short term but this is where the market's going. It is where enthusiasm from it. consumers is. So we've got to do it. And now they're really buckling down. You see, Toyota's already added 20% to their investment on EVs. Mm-hmm. It's gonna take some time, of course, cause everything takes time, but uh, they're gonna come back. I think they're gonna come out real strong, eventually, late yeah. this decade maybe. I
0: mean, Toyota's definitely one of those, it's like, well, maybe we didn't do it first, but we're definitely gonna do it best.
2: Yeah. That's I usually think, their um, play. And some yeah. of their battery, solid-state
0: <laughs> All battery right, technology, we, like, they might just come out of the back and be like, oh, how does 700 miles
1: of frame sound? <laughs> <laughs> now, we would be remiss if in the middle of the UAW strike, oh, we didn't yeah. say something about it. So here's my angle for you. Here's my question. because I, I
0: feel like we need to play this for Jamie because he probably hasn't heard it yet, but we have a little a soundtrack that we play every morning when we update it, and it, it sounds like this. We
1: had to do it. We had to
2: do it. Does that, does that, that opening riff, is that from like Johnny Carson? Is no, that Bob, you know? Bob
0: Barker? Price is right. Oh, right. Price is right. Yeah. <laughs> you, got it. you
2: got it. Something from the seventies. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So here's,
1: here's my, my question for you and the angle. Cause I, you know, we see all the updates, everybody can read that. But when, when you all are thinking, especially at automotive news, you, because you have, readers and audience in dealer partners, dealers, UAW and union workers and OEMs, right? That like all of those are a massive part of the audience that's paying attention to what, what the news cycle is. How do you honor and, and also keep all of that like updated in, in a way that serves them um, but also like recognizes that the other side is is listening and watching because it's the central source of truth for the majority of automotive. Like, what does that look like? What's that conversation look like in the, you know, behind, behind the scenes? Give us, give us a, give us a peek into what that feels like right now.
2: Right. Um, you know, s- some of it, I, I don't want to I don't mean to sound like a cop out. I mean, some of it is just doing, you know, what we always do, which is just try to try to get the facts, put them in context, be fair. Uh, You know, we we expect every story to be read, scrutinized, uh, and and prosecuted by you know, (laughs) management, shareholders, uh, labor, and everyone else.
0: Dude, that sounds Uh, like a low stress position you have there.
2: It just, it goes with the territory, you know, you want to, you, you, you don't, because you don't want to do harm to anybody by, by shortchanging them or, or, you know, uh, being flip with their situation, Uh, but you also need to be interesting. And, you know, again, it's, it's about being relevant and being right. Uh, We also you know, like, I think I've talked about this before. I, I think I talked about it probably at the Kane thing, Paul, but, um, you know, we re reor- I reorganized the newsroom around what used to be my my formula for the front page still kind of is, you know, um, but the idea of uh, what I call making selling and thinking, right? So we have our, our automaker team, we have our retailer team, and then we have our tech and innovation, you know, sort of mobility team. and. Right. Um, of course, it affects the tech and innovation group less, but like, you know, right away, it's like, hey, what's happening with dealers, right? Retail team, be out there talking to your dealers. What what are you hearing? What, what are they hearing? What are they worried about? Um, you know, we're like, okay, if something's happening with UAW, you know, let's get out there. Let's see it. Let's hear people. And of course, let's talk to our sources at the companies. Let's talk to all the experts, all the historians, all the, all the labor pros. And really, it's just, you know, trying to to know as much as we can and then really to tease out the stuff that we don't know, the stuff we don't understand, you know? Uh, so we have a story, I guess I can talk about it still in the works, but hopefully it'll be out before this podcast. <laughs> airs. Well,
0: uh, hold on a minute before you do that. When are we launching this? <laughs> Cause it could be tomorrow.
2: <laughs> Our story's running tomorrow morning. Okay. Good. No, we, this, oh, yeah, this yeah, won't yeah, be out weekend. before then. Right. Okay, good. So Go <laughs> uh, we're looking at so one of the one of the big t- issues, you know, when you see Sean Fain, when he's been out during these rallies and during the when he's been at the picket lines, he wears a red T-shirt that says no tears. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had a contract already where we eliminated the tears. You know, there used to be if you were hired after a certain date, you could only get to a certain way. I was
0: trying to make sense of that shirt today when I saw it.
2: It's frustrating, uh, but to them, they've sort of, I mean, it's frustrating to me that the semantics have changed and they redefined what tiers are apparently, but they have this issue where if you get hired, you know, at a McDonald's like wage, it's eight years before you reach the top pay. And it used to be 90 days. Um, So, That's a long time. That's two contracts really (laughs) before you can get to the top pay. And that's, that's a lot to expect from people. And it's really not competitive in this labor market. So I I would certainly expect the bottom, the entry pay to come up. Um, and they've already offered the automakers have all offered to cut the ramp up time in half. Uh, They may have to come down further. Uh, I mean, to me, uh, it's like they're, the UAW has a couple of really major non-starters in their demand list, uh, the four-day work week, the return of uh, defined benefit pensions. You know, the automakers just can't do that. Uh, as I just keep saying, you yeah, know, they, why they everybody everybody yeah. would get fired if they, if they came out right. with an agreement like that. Right. Um, so maybe if they can give up some of that, maybe they can gain some more on this issue of tiers. You know, but it's just, it's like, it's a it's a puzzling one because, the, the, the truth or the reality or the perception of the reality has shifted over the years. So that's, it's challenging, but that's what makes it interesting.
0: Certainly, yeah. interesting. <laughs> certainly interesting
2: no no small tasks
1: so kudos to you and your team <laughs> for uh just keeping us aware and uh and and serving the industry in that way uh I, it, I it's been- to-,
2: to mike martinez and, and nick bunkley of course Vin- vince bond and, and lindsey van Holy as well but martinez you know in addition to being a, a top-notch ford reporter has really um owned the uaw coverage and uh super proud of all the great work he's been doing it's so good it's so yeah, good. Quite, quite
1: a team. Well, it's been fun to uh, get to know a little of your journey. Take a peek behind the curtain of uh, of the real time stuff right now. I'm excited to to hang out with you at a SODUCon and and hear your perspective there amongst panelists, and uh, it, it'll certainly be fun. So thanks for joining us on Audit Labs today, Jay. Absolutely, glad to do it. You know- okay, he handled that UAW question with Dude. all the poise in the world. I was like, <laughs> but when he "Let's says- see if we can crack him." He was like, boop, 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 boop. "No," but he actually gave some some really cool insights into like, "Hey, some of the things that you don't see, and we've got to figure out as journalists, and we we do this work too here at Associated." It's like, "Wait, yesterday, and then four years ago, and but now today, and." mapping all that together across teams, serving dealers, serving, you know, all of that, the experience that he's had for the past 25 years in auto sets him up for that. And I like, I, for one, the, when he goes prosecuted daily for, I'm like, yep, that sounds about right. Who's signing up for that that." one. Yeah. (laughs) But the way that he handled it seriously.
0: So how knowledgeable and humble he was, and the fact that he just basically said, we cover the story the way that you should. Like, that was mind-blowing. That's pretty mic-droppy. I know. Yep. We're, we're his new fan club, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> yes. And he's like, what? <laughs> Number one fan. You guys, he's like, you guys are got a soda con. He's like, you're making a bigger deal than I get around here. And we're like, yeah, we're just trying to help you build your resume so you can <laughs> leverage it into your next uh, contract negotiation with uh, Casey Crane. So <laughs> that's all we're trying to do, really, on the show today. Thank you so much. On behalf of Kyle Mountseer, Jordan Cox in standing in for michael Cirillo and myself paul j daly thank you so much for listening to auto collapse sign up for our free and fun to read daily email for a free shot of relevant news and automotive retail media and pop culture you can get it now at asotu.com that's u.com if you love this podcast please leave us a review and share it with a friend thanks again for listening we'll see you next time
2: Welcome to (laughs) Autocollaps.
1: Why are we recording?
0: Are we rolling yet?